0: Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth, and motherhood, with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four i want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood mama matters is a podcast by lenny rose active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes
1: we're very good at uh making it like a business transaction i think in the sense of like okay i'm going to just deal with this i pack it up put it into a box and then just put it away and then just get on with life and i think that's the hardest thing as well because we are in a you know. Life is continuing on, but you've had this massive grief and massive loss and you're like, that was my baby, you know, and what was the potential of that?
0: I think most of our audience will know you, but um, you haven't listened to the prior episodes with Amanda. Um, She's an amazing Chinese medicine doctor specialising in the pregnancy, fertility, motherhood sort of space, has her own women's wellness clinic with a variety of other practitioners that she works along with and just has... much expertise in everything in this area is a master yoga trainer in the pre and postnatal space too and um yeah couldn't think of a better person to chat to us about um the sort of fertility and sort of miscarriage journey today so thank you (laughs) thank you i'm gonna start with a question around um you know, how common, we sort of know um, there's a lot more awareness, I guess, now around how common miscarriage is, um, the sort of one in four, um, and it being yes. our Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, there is a lot going on in that space at the moment, which is really positive. But, um, yeah, why do you think it's just something that's not really being talked about that much when it's so common? Like, you know, and, and how, is we, how have we sort of tipped that point where we are starting to make that
1: conversation around it? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, I, you know, I, when you hear the statistics of one in four. You're like, wow, that is actually really common. Um, And I think now, you know, with social media platforms that there is a greater awareness around that. But I find that it's still a topic that's very much uh, kept private. Uh, Women don't like to really share about their miscarriages. But I think, you know, through like a a conversation like this, particularly being around um, pregnancy and infant loss month, that it is important that that we share our stories because we know that through sharing stories that then opens the door for another woman to share her story and it won't be until someone has you know shared their story about their miscarriage that your girlfriend will say well actually that's something that I went through. We know now because there is more research that's coming out around um, miscarriages. I mean previously the definition had changed Uh, so for recurrent miscarriage you had to have three recurrent miscarriages in order to be a Evaluated. So in order for your healthcare provider, being your gynecologist, obstetrician or fertility specialist, to investigate further to what those potential, you know, cause of miscarriage was. Whereas now in 2020, the American, um, the ASRM has actually changed the definition, which includes biochemical pregnancies, is that uh, it allows now for the evaluation after a one miscarriage. Uh, so I think that's a really positive step towards understanding what are some of the common causes of miscarriage uh, and also to it gives women and couples a sense of okay what can what can we do to to see what's actually going on or what's what's the cause and uh, you know in in clinic particularly we have a set of fertility assessments that we do initially for when someone comes in we like to evaluate the husband and we like to evaluate the woman and and so there's specific blood tests, um, pelvic ultrasounds. And by doing these specific um, tests and ultrasounds, we can see anything that's standing out, whether that's you know a hormonal imbalance, particularly if there's anything to do with the thyroid, that we can work on to support. So I guess some of the common causes from what we know with miscarriage is uterine abnormalities, And a uterine abnormality, it talks about the septum. So uh, in Chinese medicine, I like to use the analogy of our uterus. It's a garden. The myometrium is the terrain and that's the muscle layer of the uterus. The soil, which is the endometrium, you know, we need to have a healthy soil, beautiful, fertile soil. And that also needs to be a receptivity of a particular thickness, normally between seven to 13 millimeters. And then we have, we grow a dominant follicle, which we know each month, which I like to use that as the sunflower. So some, one of the cause. And so if we've got a, um, our beautiful garden it's a it's a whole a beautiful space if we've got a septum the septum comes up in like a partition and can cause the uterus to be separated right so uh, what happens is that when an embryo implants is that we need it to be able to implant into the uterine um, into the endometrium so if it was to implant onto the septum then it's not going to get enough blood flow and also too as the pregnancy grows and develops this can then there's not enough room it's in one of the rooms and so this can cause cause preterm labor and then also early miscarriage and i know from my own just i'll just share personally is that i have a heart shaped uterus like a mild heart shaped uterus and so that just means that the the septum comes down because it doesn't shut off the uterus into two separate compartments essentially because you've got different types of you've got a bicornate, you've got a heart-shaped uterus. So by having a pelvic ultrasound, your healthcare provider will be able to see if there's any um, anomalies there. So with my, my heart-shaped uterus, it's mild, but, you know, I have had multiple miscarriages, which we can talk about later. Fibroids too. Fibroids have also known uh, to you think about the terrain. I use the fibroids like a boulder. If that boulders in a particular area like a subserosal fibroid that's partially in the muscle layer and then into the uterus then that can actually cause a miscarriage too and so sometimes you know the the fertility specialist or obstetrician will need to say we need to remove that um, because it can be impacting uh, pregnancy. Also too this is not my expertise um, in, in the sense of there's definitely um, karyotypes and that can be as the pregnancy is developing there can be um, genetic abnormalities
0: to say is that where like I know know um, I have a mutual friend who's a patient of yours who you know there was a there's a problem with the sort of like genetics of the partner and her and they sort of you know don't gel we're like you know for some reason the genetics don't like each other and- and and therefore the pregnancy, you can get pregnant, but then it doesn't
1: continue. Well, there's uh, uterine abnormalities, but there is a body research out now where it talks about the DQ-alpha gene, so where the partners share a similar gene, so it it recognizes it as a cell. And so then uh, as the pregnancy develops, it causes it's it's similar to, I guess, the natural killer cells. Um, It can then lead to miscarriage, but that's where... It's really important, I think, as women, if you are having recurrent miscarriages, these are some of the things that you can investigate, but it's also very controversial. And the immunological function uh, issues can be natural killer cells, which leads to failed implantation or recurrent miscarriages there's also two uh, clotting factors which we need to consider which are sort of anti-nuclear antibodies or anti-nuclear antiphospholipids what this does is it can lead to recurrent miscarriage they can also lead to preeclampsia and restricted um, interuterine growth for bubs there's also, too, we've got to remember it takes two to tango. There's male factor issues as well, and we know that 50% now of males can be an issue, and so really exploring, doing a semen analysis, DNA fragmentation, uh, and then, you know, I also too I think, celiac as well. You know, if you're creating that immune response in the body, looking at is there a history of celiac in the family, and then, of course, coming into sort of like your environmental factors. So what's your exposure? What's your family history in terms of um, exposure to environmental toxins um, and also too progesterone. Progesterone plays a huge part in supporting, you know, progest, the gestation of and development of the pregnancy in our luteal phase. And so we want to make sure that there's certain parameters uh, that, are, that are supporting that growth and development of your of your embryo. So there's lots of things that we can do to investigate. Um, and particularly if we are having Recurrent miscarriages. It's, you know, it definitely requires evaluation.
0: I feel like that's a, there's a, it seems like there's a lot, but in, in, yeah, in a in good way, that means there's a lot of different things that you can, yeah, can investigate and potentially do if you are going down this track. And, yeah, what about unexplained infertility? Like, I know for a population of women, they will. Miscarry recurrently, and they end up with a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Can you speak to that a little bit? And you know, if there is anything that can be then you know continued on with or done
1: along those lines? I think it's really hard when you get put into you know you're categorised or you're put into a box, and it's like okay. Because I think, and and this is going to be a big call, but I think that we're all born fertile. Um, unless we've got, you know, structural issues potentially, but we are we are born fertile, and it's really about understanding our fertility. I guess so much plays into it. Of from a holistic perspective, is first and foremost, are we having a regular menstrual cycle? So. We know that for women that potentially um, develop later in their life, um, that go through puberty later, that can lead to um, fertility issues down the track in terms of like ovarian reserve has and has how's the quality of their eggs, and so are we having a regular menstrual cycle and are we ovulating? And then also too, part of that would also be looking at our AMH levels as women, our anti-malaria hormone, um, which kind of talks about our egg reserve an egg pool but it's not a definitive to determine our overall fertility that's more I, I for patients um, that do, do use diagnostics of AMH I always say our results reflect it's more of fact like if we have to go down the path of IBF, how's our body going to respond to the specific drugs that are given are we going to be a good responder or are we going to be a poor responder so I guess unexplained infertility would be are we having a failed implantation So are the egg and the sperm actually meeting through natural conception and then is, is it actually implanting or a, like a biochemical pregnancy is the development of, uh, of, a, of the pregnancy. So you'll be able to, if you pee on a stick and you get a positive pregnancy uh, and then seven days later you get your period, that's considered a, a biochemical pregnancy because it actually hasn't been detected via an ultrasound. And if we do have a miscarriage, they haven't had the chance to be able to test the tissue So, a biochemical pregnancy is a detection of the HCG, the um, beta-humogonotropic hormone, and you have a positive uh, pregnancy on a a P-stick that's detected or through a blood test and then you lose that uh, pregnancy and that's normally within sort of like the first to five, six weeks Of conception. The unexplained infertility is really about working with a healthcare provider, a fertility specialist that is going to investigate what the unexplained infertility is. And I think, you know, that's where potentially most of the time we have to um, seek IBS.
0: Yeah, I know you're a big proponent of, you obviously practice in the sort of holistic and natural medicine space, but you are very proactive in working quite closely with some select IVF doctors and that marriage of East meets West to get the result that people
1: are after. Yes, that's what I'm really passionate about is that, you know, we're limited to what we can do, but it's really understanding your patient's history and their fertility uh, potential and fertility status. And that comes from both the male and female factor.
0: I think that that's that gives some hope i think for you know for that sort of unexplained infertility group that it's not that's not it that's not necessarily final there are amazing practitioners out there like yourself you know and the people that you work with that you know
1: perhaps can still investigate things further and help you further it's true it really is because i don't like the definition of unexplained infertility because I, I think there's always a reason right there's always a reason and and it's finding those reasons and you know unexplained infertility doesn't mean that we can't not have a family it just means that we might have to explore if you've explored and exhausted every avenue it means that we can still have a family through other avenues of surrogacy or donor egg donor sperm so it doesn't mean that the door's completely closed and I think that's important for patients to know
0: Mm, we are lucky with the advent of modern medicine that there are still you know other other avenues that can be taken but I can't imagine how tough it would be to be in the seat of having suffered recurrent miscarriage I've had one myself between first and second babies but I wouldn't have you know known if I wasn't testing at that super early phase it could have just been you know I miss period. So, you know, I, I had some guilt and some upset about that, even though it was just the one time and it was early and I probably might, it might have gone undetected if I wasn't in that sort of like, right, you know. <laughs> testing phase but you know for women who are trying or currently or they're getting pregnant and then it's not sticking it would be so so tough and it's obviously something you have experienced yourself and see regularly in your clinic can you if you're happy to share you know some insight into your own journey with that but then also how have you gotten through that and how do you counsel
1: women who are going through you know a really tough and heartbreaking time it is and i think you know When we go through a miscarriage, particularly if it's our first pregnancy, that's always the hardest because there's so much joy around that. And then it's like the innocence of that pregnancy is actually lost. And so it's like when you fall pregnant that second time, there's so much anxiety around, you know, is my body actually capable to be able to do this? So we feel, I guess we feel like our body fails us. And I know that when I had my first miscarriage was training and riding 600 Ks a week and I finished this event. And so, you know, from I was, I was physically fit. But I wasn't fertility fit. And so when we went for our scan at nine weeks, there was an empty sac. Essentially, it was a blighted ovum. So the pregnancy hadn't developed, but the body, unfortunately, it still mimics a pregnancy. So it still continues as a normal pregnancy, but then there's nothing there. But it's just a sac, um, but no heartbeat. Then having to have a DNC, which is a curate, a dilation curate. Uh you know, it's really quite traumatic for women. And I think that it's just, uh, it's, we kind of, we're very good at uh, making it like a business transaction, I think, in the sense of like, okay, I'm going to just deal with this. I pack it up, put it into a box and then just put it away and then just get on with life. And I think that's the hardest thing as well because we are in a, you know, life is continuing on. But you've had this massive grief and massive loss and you're like, that was my baby, you know, and what was the potential of that? And then as women, we, you know, we put in all the dates. We're like, this is my expected due date and we, this is going to be this. So everything's around your dates. And then when that doesn't happen, your whole world is just completely shattered. And it, it is, and, and I don't think, and I've got to, I want to stay there, it's like any... When we have a miscarriage at any time when it's whether it's our first miscarriage, first pregnancy, second, third, it's each one just becomes even more harder to be able to process uh, because it becomes a breakdown uh, of our of our mental, physical, and emotional health. And it's you know, I'm sure everyone will be re- be able to relate to this. Like you go throughout your life and you don't see any pregnant bellies until you start trying to conceive. <laughs> and then Everyone, you'll be walking down the street everyone's pregnant, everyone's pregnant. that's everyone's like
0: activating system at play there is it yeah it's like a part of your brain like it's like the same when you buy a car or you you know you get a yeah. new car and all of a sudden everybody drives that car you see it everywhere like it's just your, your, your brain picks up on the things that you're attuned to and it's sort of which part of the brain is that thank you I learned something new today um I I think it's (laughs) say that again I think it's part of our subconscious but it's called the RAS or the reticular activating system you know we just you know we, we have a very good ability to filter and sort of you know tunnel in on what's important to us or what's fresh to us or which can be hard when you're
1: going through this sort of circumstance yeah yeah it really is and uh I think then I was like yourself. I had another pregnancy miscarriage in between Winnie and Freddie, like three months after giving birth. I got my period back and I was pregnant. I'm like, what? I'd just given birth to this to Winnie and to fall pregnant in between that time. You know, I was just not I was not ready. My body wasn't ready, and it takes time for our wounds to heal. And I think this is important for for women: is that we got to give time for our body and our emotional wellness as well to be able to heal post having a miscarriage. Depending on you know how far that pregnancy's actually developed, so if we're into that, you know, almost to the second trimester, giving your body at least two to three months, if not longer, to be able to heal, allow the uterus to retract allow the hormones to come back into balance um, and then also allowing, um, you know, to have a couple of menstrual cycles normal periods and then making sure that you know you do investigate and go and get some evaluation to make sure that all oh, everything is medically okay there's no clotting factors and like I said it's sort of at the beginning and then I had a miscarriage this year yeah uh, at 42 just after I'd had my uh, endo removed and uh yeah I wasn't expecting that so you know, I would put that down to an age factor. And I think sometimes at, you know, at 42, we know that our egg quality does decline um, and same with male factor as well. So I feel like I was actually able to process. this, process this one a little easier because my the medical background came in to say, look, this is probably nature's way of saying, man, there could have been something chromosomally wrong, um, a chromosomal issue. And I light a candle. I think it's nice that we have a ceremony for our losses and we honour our losses and we don't just pack it up in a box and put it away, but we honour our babies that have, you know, that have graced this earth with us only for a short time. <sighs> I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing so openly with
0: us. I can imagine it's hard um, at times. Like, but you can also really identify with your clients because of your experience.
1: Yes, (laughs) I'm
0: sure there's a few tears shed together at times.
1: (laughs) And there's a, there's a, there's a. There was a book written on it, um, Dr. Laura Shaheen, uh, and in the States they've got an entire centre dedicated to recurrent pregnancy loss and miscarriage and uh, she's written a book not broken and so and she's a and she's a reproductive endocrinologist but she takes this book is a beautiful book for any woman to read even practitioners because it takes you through the whole process and it gives you uh, empowerment to know that um, we're not broken and there's so many things that we can do to support ourselves and then to be able to work with a, a specialist that is going to want to work with you to understand why. You know, it's like a scientist. Why do things happen? I think there's always an, ex- requires an exploratory understanding and this and, and, and that's the thing in her book. There's so many things that we can actually do to try and understand and if we have a miscarriage and your specialist can um, test the tissue, uh, that also gives more empowerment to knowing, well, potentially was it a chromosome or abnormality uh, and can give a greater insight too and I think sometimes that's where it's where IVF is wonderful as well because it offers more of that testing ability the PGS testing to make sure there's there are no abnormalities and can the egg, egg and the sperm you know are they compatible as well can it actually fertilize an egg? so while sometimes we can feel like we're in the dark there's actually so much that we can do um for for our own control and and empowerment.
0: What other resources or I guess other ways do you sort of help support women in terms of what else they can do throughout you know going through such a, a heartbreaking time and and getting them back in that sort of state of hope?
1: <laughs> you know, grief has no timeline, and to be okay with being sitting in the space of grief, I think that a lot of women. It's, it's an uncomfortable space and that's where it's important to have, um, you know, a psychologist or a psychotherapist, a counsellor, um, if you are struggling emotionally, to be able to have that um, support for those resources. Uh, and if we're going to cry in the middle of the shops, that's okay. You know, that's kind of giving giving ourselves that space. Um, and then to really work with your specialists that can help to understand, that can offer more of those investigative and seeing, you know, this an acupuncturist that can that can help to support your womb, the healing of your womb, and I think that's a really nice adjunct treatment uh, that we do is offering. Like I do womb healings now. So get out the shamanic drum. (laughs) I've been in training for the last two years and I had just amazing, like, you know, it's such a, I had a client in and she, I was just, uh, it was amazing. She wasn't conceiving and she'd had, uh, she'd had endo. She went and had surgery. Just like what's going on? Cause everything just looks good on paper. No natural killer cells. I mean, did a womb healing and it came up and it was, you know, it was mother issues so we cleared the mother issues and then at the end the candle came out and there was a penis. <laughs> it formed into a penis and, and now, she's, now she's pregnant. And I'm like, I want to know if it's a boy, but they're not finding out. I like and yesterday I had <laughs> <laughs> and yesterday I had another one who had uh, a termination when she was younger and she just had a recurrent miss she just had a miscarriage and we did a healing and uh, we could feel her womb close it was like we could feel we were taking out all the trauma um, with the moxa into the <laughs> we built a fire and we put all the trauma into the wo- into the fire and so I think you know um Doing a womb healing is something that's really empowering because it taps into that, uh, a spiritual side as well. And I think so much of this can be medicalized that it's really nice to tap into that, to that spiritual side as well.
0: Mm, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, the, the emotional and the psychological side of it and how that can impact our fertility as well. And I don't know if you've heard, Marissa Peer is a really famous British psychologist, and she works a lot with, from the psychology perspective with women who have struggle with fertility. And she says, you know, that we go from not wanting to get pregnant our whole life and sort of doing everything that we can to like stop a pregnancy until we're ready for it. And then, you know, psychologically that can sometimes still be at play when we are physically trying to get pregnant so we've been telling ourselves don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant and then you know that she works a lot from the psychology side and has great success simply through working through the psychology of that and it's yeah there's just so many different elements at play you know when it comes
1: to to this element of our life really isn't there you're so right It's you know our thoughts create our realities, and and in the sense of it it leaves an imprint. So what is that dialogue that we've been telling ourselves that that then has a a, a physiological reaction in the body, doesn't it? So yes, it is. So much of it is a psychological and emotional component, and I think that. if we can support that as well that's part of the healing is it's that whole body medicine approach yeah i think you know and that's something that you do so
0: well it's that sort of you know taking from all of the different elements and um marrying them well together to get you know good results for your clients so yeah it's so lovely and it's so nice of you i'm trying to think of a better word but to you know to very much share your own um heartache and and what you've been through and I know that that helps so many women listening but also your clients that you have that shared experience and so hopefully bringing awareness around this will help women to to share more and to support each other more and to
1: get it out of the dark and to get it out of the taboo. And yeah it's so it's so important what you're saying there Rosie because even for women that have had and I know it's a, have had a termination when they were younger and then have a, a miscarriage when they're older is that we then blame ourselves for the tr- decision that we've made, that it was my fault and now I'm being punished and I think that it's so important that we don't blame ourselves and we don't punish ourselves but, you know, unfortunately we do and by creating these conversations that we can start to release the shame and the guilt, and create a supportive community and know that we have other women to lean into. So good.
0: (laughs) So where can people find you? And you've got some really great resources around fertility and preconception. Can you point us in the right direction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you can always find us on Instagram, I mean, on Instagram at FG, Acupuncture Yoga. Resources are, if you, I just, I recommend if you need, if you're looking for something in particular to just to send us an email and then I guess really kind of being able to point you in the right direction. We work alongside some great specialists, IBS specialists, Dr. Joseph Scroy, Dr. Nicolologist. Um, I love Dr oh my goodness I have Lynn Burmeister heard. Dr. Lynn yeah <laughs> did not hear that joke uh, uh, that's okay it's like a medical crush you uh, know it's all good yeah <laughs> it's totally I know in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> because he's very good at he's very good at explaining things he's
0: uh holistic as well like um, mm, yeah very holistic.
1: yeah holistic but also
0: matter of fact but also caring but anyway That's You can listen to the episodes with him, ladies.
1: (laughs) And working with an integrative GP as well, you know, to make sure that you can do all that initial tracking uh, and testing when you do fall pregnant, you know, making sure your progesterone levels are high enough. uh, And I think working with an integrative GP and then, you know, psychologists but knowing that there's you know you don't need to just leave no stone unturned and by reaching out to someone or having a chat to someone they can then maybe refer you to their specialist or reach out I think then I can just go hey I've got this person in this state or I know of this person I'm sure you have a really dense network after your many many years in the area
0: but I mean you work with women from you know it's it's very you work on nutrition you work on stress levels You work on, you know, meditation and sort of mindset and and then also have that sort of Western, you know, connection and collaboration. And so, yeah, we're blessed to have you in the industry and everything that you do for women on a daily basis. You're so passionate. We are just talking before about just how much you do and how, you know, both of us need to, you know, try not to kill ourselves by being too passionate about all this sort of stuff.
1: (laughs) It's horrible. It is, and it's <laughs> it's it's learning to change. It's learning to uh, to look at things differently, isn't it? As women, and, and and coming back to, and I think you know that's why there's been so many pregnancies in COVID because women have had the time to actually stop, which makes us more receptive, not as much stress. So we've you know it's been a good opportunity. Um, in a a roundabout way for us to kind of do a lot of re-evaluation of our lives because we can't do it all. We we can try, but there's always, yeah, that's it. (laughs) And to be okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear,
0: that's interesting that we both say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh funny. anyway but yeah well, I'll pop but on.
1: I still meditate you know I still meditate and I still try and get into yoga practice where I can and I feed my body you know really good nutrition and <laughs> Try and look after it as best I can. So I just want to say to women out there to please know that you're not broken and that there's so many things that we can do to support you and to understand and to investigate and to know that uh and just to know that there is a community of women out there shared experiences um with miscarriage and um pregnancy loss but also stillbirth as well so thanks Rosie thank you so much for
0: so generously sharing your heart your soul and your mind <laughs> um and your time and um yeah I'll pop all of the details to reach out to you in the show notes and um yeah I'm sure I'll be um knocking on the door for some some further (laughs) episodes down the track but I'll give you a breather for now
1: (laughs) so good to chat and so good to see you lovely
0: oh thank you maybe a a in-person session at some point soon with this silly COVID business getting better
1: (laughs) oh I would love that (laughs) <laughs> put my hands on you <laughs> but most importantly give you a hug give a cuddle. that's what's missing give a cuddle. Of the most I feel at the moment is the cuddles <laughs> isn't it human touch we need the touch <laughs> we will thanks Thank love you,
0: you. I hope you're not sort of working too crazy all day and yeah I appreciate your time and your love thanks thanks me too bye 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 Bye. (laughs) oh what an amazing uh very heartfelt very authentic episode with amanda she is just such a a wealth of knowledge and you know as as hard and as heartbreaking as you know our own story is and the story is for a lot of women hopefully there is just even the the tiniest little trickle of hope there that perhaps there is more that can be done and there is a supportive community out there and the more that we share and, you know, continue to support each other, the more we can, you know, continue to do that so, you know, you're not alone and as Amanda said, you're not broken. I think as women who, you know, are really fortunate, you know, such as myself who have a a big growing family, I really appreciate being able to understand to a certain level even, you know, the, the tiniest level understanding and, and hearing from other women and having them share their stories you know, really helps me to better support my own community of women who and friends close friends who have gone through this or who continue to go through the current miscarriage so you know thank you to all of you out there who are so bravely carrying the light and to, to help other women to, to bring it to the forefront and to help them to heal and to grow so uh, yeah, Amanda's contact, you can see her over on Instagram at angia underscore acupuncture underscore yoga and find her over at angia com.au but you can also reach out to us on our socials and we can point you in the right direction. Go back and have a listen if you haven't already to, and there's a couple of other episodes with Amanda around fertility and around mm-hmm. you know going through difficult pregnancies and um, early periods and then there's some some beautiful episodes with Dr. Joseph Scroy, who we um, so affectionately <laughs> mentioned earlier so thanks again for listening ladies and I look forward to seeing you or you know maybe seeing you now we're recording them over zoom or uh, yeah chatting to you the next episode so bye for now this episode is brought to you by lenny rose active australian owned three times mum and physiotherapist designed luxe active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey you can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on instagram at lenny rose
1: active